When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Nathan, you know, there are two new Wranglers out there, and they're very different, yet they're very similar. You know what I'm talking about? You're talking about the 392 and the 4xE. Yep, that's right. In this episode of TFL Talk, we're going to be talking about both of them. Tommy and I just got back from driving the uh, new 4xE, the plug-in hybrid. Right. Uh, and the week before, two weeks before, we drove the 392. So we're going to be talking about the V8 versus the uh, 2-liter turbo hybrid and which one is right for you. And then maybe at the end we'll throw in some Bronco stuff just for, you know what, and grins. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. All right, well, let's get right to it, dude. So um, let me give you some specs. Let me lay down some numbers for you. Lay down. Uh, and see what you think, all right? So we know the 392, of course, is the big old Hemi V8. Yeah. Uh, and there's one number you need to know, 470. Yeah, 470, that's horsepower. 470, that's torque. Yeah, exactly. And the other number I think that's important is 0 to 60, 4.5. Yeah, that thing is stupid fast. Even at high <laughs> elevation, it moves. Yeah, we... Drag raced it against the TRX. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, obviously the TRX is, you know, more powerful and, you know, but, it, but it still did really well. It didn't embarrass itself. Yeah. If you want to watch that video, it's over at TFL Truck. Uh, the TRX remains undefeated, Nathan, until today. E until today. <laughs> we're, we're not going to say anything else. You're going to have to watch. And it's pretty obvious to what's about to happen. So, uh, Roman, I had a lot of questions about the 4xE because you guys went to the event. And while you were there, I made sure that I, you know, soiled all of the fabric in both your offices because I was really <laughs> upset about that. No, but in all honesty, I've been looking forward to this vehicle for a while because I want to know if they succeeded in building a fuel-efficient, somewhat electric Wrangler that can actually go off-road and be driven every day. Yeah, you know, the last year it's been me and Tommy reviewing all these cars. That's because we can be in the same car together because right, we're, right. we're kind of family. Uh, but now that COVID is starting to hopefully wane a little bit, we're going to have a lot more um, mixing of the team. Uh, so you'll see a lot more people kind of not just me and Tommy together. But anyway, that's a whole different thing. That's a whole different thing. That's a whole different thing. So let's talk about some numbers, okay? Yeah, I am very curious. All right. So um, it starts, there's three models. There's the Sahara uh, which is kind of the city slicker one. Right. Then there's the Rubicon. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there is the high altitude, which is like the really fancy one. Does that have a snorkel? I wish it did, but no, it doesn't. Oh. It doesn't. And they started around, it's like 48-ish uh, up to like 50,000. 55,000, I think, for the high altitude. So, so realistically around 50 grand. Yeah, and basically they're, if you compare them apples to apples, right? So if you compare a Rubicon 
uh, regular, you know, non-hybrid to the hybrid 4xe, it's like four to $6,000 difference. And of course, the reason they did that is because you get, well, $7,500 back if you, you know, qualify. If you qualify, and, and it's yeah, debatable whether or not you will qualify. Here's the thing. Um, so, so it becomes a little cheaper to buy the, and it's, it's at the dealership right now, so it's a little cheaper. Yeah, yeah, and I think it'll eventually get less expensive as time goes on. Now, one of the things that Jeep did, and uh, I understand why they did it, right, is they wanted to keep the full off-road ability of the Wrangler. Yeah. Right? So when we went on this program, we went to Austin, Texas, and they kind of drove us in a rainstorm out to the hill country. Uh, where we got to go, you know, some water bogging. There was like a, up to the front fender. That's how deep we went because they wanted so about to two feet. Yeah, they wanted to show us that if the battery gets wet, it's not going to like electrocute <laughs> the driver. Right. Uh, and then there are these uh, big granite like mounds that we climbed up. So they wanted to show us that this thing has a full capability. So unlike many electric vehicles plug-in, this thing has the full range of Wrangler goodies. So you, not only do you get four high and four auto and two high and four low, right? Plus, uh, you get the disconnectable sway bar in the Rubicon. You get the locking front diff, locking rear diff. Uh, there's just anything you get in a regular Rubicon, you get in this one. Okay, but there's a major question. I knew about this part, and a lot of the fans out there did. But the weight difference. Oh, yeah. Between now, five now, and seven. Could you tell when you oh, were yeah. driving? Yeah. That's what I want to hear about. Yeah, you know, here, okay, so we'll, we'll talk about this later, right? But there's this weird thing that happens with uh, plug-in hybrids, right? And that is... Um, you know, you have the battery, which is great, and Jeep says you can go 21 miles on a full charge. Mm -hmm. uh, but once you run out of battery, then you're carrying around this 500-pound battery and electric motor that's actually making fuel economy worse. So what you're saying is that if you run it on full EV and then completely drain it, then you kind of have a boat anchor. But what if you don't run it on full like that? Yeah, so there, there's three buttons on the thing, right? Okay. Uh, you can run it on hybrid. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is, you know, using both electric motor or um, uh, battery mm -hmm. or gas engine, the 2-liter turbo. You can run it on uh, electric. Now, think about this. It, the motor, the electric motor, puts out about 130 horsepower. I think it's 126. Mm -hmm. So imagine, like, you know, 6,000-plus vehicle running on 126 horsepower. You it's can, not going to move very fast. No. You can imagine what that's like. Yeah. Or there's a button called e-save where you can actually push that button and save the battery until you get to wherever you're going off-roading, if you want. Okay. Now, here's the really important question. And this is and something... It, it gets I, more complicated. I, I'm sure it does, but I want, I, I want to jump to this because I've been dying to know and you've been holding this back from me. Yes. Electric motors are known for putting out maximum torque at zero RPM. Right. So it, did you go EV mode off-road at all? Yes. And was it good or bad? It was good. It ah. was really good. It was quiet and torquey and actually off-road it works really good. Uh, so what we did was we were like two and a half hours out to this ranch in the hill country. Mm -hmm. uh, so we put it in all electric and drove it around in all electric through Austin in mm -hmm. traffic uh, and basically depleted the battery. Uh -huh. uh, the problem with that was uh, it was pretty slow. And if you floor it, let's face it, 126 horsepower ain't going to get you out of the way of a semi. So right. the, the, the motor... And the elect and the engine kick in at the same time, right? So because it knows it can use extra right. power and it goes right, right. Uh, and then uh, there's this other kind of cool feature, uh, and that is you could put it into a mode, uh, and it's not one of the three buttons. It's on the little display where you could have actually charge the battery while you're driving. 
So in other words, it shuts off the electric everything, and then the gas engine it doesn't is shut it off. It's just using some of the uh, gas engine's power to charge the battery. That's what I'm saying. So, but, but like here's, a generator. But here's yeah, here's a kicker. Mm-hmm. All right, there's a kicker. Uh, guess how much power we regen after we killed the electric motor driving on the highway? It was like 65, 70, you know, for two hours to get to the off-road area from a dead battery. It's never, it's never really dead, but you yeah, know. yeah, thirty um, percent, four. Forty percent? Four. Oh, four percent. Four. F O U R. Four. Four percent. Yeah, that's all we regen using the. And I asked the engineer about that. Uh-huh. Uh, and basically, the answer is there's no such thing as a free lunch. And what I mean by that is, so at seventy-five, right? Uh, what's keeping it from actually regening the battery? is that you've only got so much uh, emissions and catalysts that you can use to keep the car within its, you know, range where it doesn't pollute. All right, gotcha. Right, and, then, and, and at like 35 miles an hour, you can use the electric, you can use a motor then to supplement, uh, you can use the engine, sorry, you can use the engine to supplement the power that's going not just to the wheels, but also as a generator to charge up the battery because you've got enough catalysts left, right? You've got enough like emissions oh, left. So what you're saying to break it down is that if you're going at regular traffic speed, slow traffic, 35, right. you're actually able to charge that battery quicker. Right. More, more charges getting into right, but, it. Right, but think about what you're doing. You're burning more gas. You're burning more gas in order to do it. So exactly. there's a But see, the whole point it's, it's, of this yeah, car, There's no such thing as a free lunch. But... You can pull up. Do they have one of those uh, portable chargers? They did. That's a very good question. So they're installing these solar power chargers. Some are solar. Some are into the grid. Right? They're these big, like, uh, charging stations with these big solar panels on the roof, uh, and then that like tilt a battery. in the direction they, where the they, sun they is. They follow the sun, and they're installing them in the badge of honor trails. Those are the little badges that people put on their side of their Jeep. You know, like the Rubicon Trail. Uh, Big Bear uh, in Moab, you know, bins and things. Yeah, there's yeah. like five in, in Utah alone. There's like seven in Colorado. So, there's so, they're, a whole put, bunch. so they're putting these, these the level two chargers uh, at these trailheads so that you can charge it up. Right. Now, by the way, we have a story on that on tfloffroad.com. So go check that out. It gives you all the details. And the thing about these chargers, first of all, there's, I believe, two ports. Yes, two for two vehicles right. to charge up. Yeah. So, okay. Let's say you get to the trailhead and you have 4% on your battery. Right. All right, and you want that extra charge because you want to do some off-roading using the Electric, both, yeah. right? So you plug it in. How long does it take the charge? Uh, a level two, it's two and a half hours, and it doesn't have quick charging. Okay, so two and a half hours, and that's from de- near dead, dead which is four percent. Yeah. So that's the so fastest. That's all the way it's a, that's, yeah, that's the fastest it's ever going to charge up. If you plug it into the wall, it's twelve and a half hours. Right. I want to say I want to say it's a seventeen kilowatt hour battery. I, don't don't quote me on that. I could be wrong, but it's around twenty kilowatt hours. It's pretty small compared to like a Tesla, which would be like seventy five. Yeah, yeah. Well, like even, a model even, my Nissan has a thirty kilowatt hour battery. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but the thing is, is that now this this is what fascinates me. You can plug it in. Yep. Okay. Two hours, which is great because most off roaders want to go out and drink, which they shouldn't, and do things <laughs> for a couple hours, eat yep. barbecue, and then come back to their vehicle, use the lavatory six or seven times. By then, two and half hours have passed you have a full battery okay yes. now that you have a full battery right and you have let's say three quarters of a tank of gas right what's your range uh officially the range is 360 miles with a full battery and a full gas tank uh-huh. they made the gas tank a little bit smaller because hybrids have to have it pressurized yeah that's right for uh, emissions requirements um so they say 360 i think realistically if you get 300 you'll be doing well Mm. You know, okay, so it's, uh, not I, like, so it's the same as getting the V6, the regular one. Yeah, exactly. Or 300. Yeah, exactly. Mm. 
Uh, and the other thing that's a little confusing, and I got to tell you this, people are super confused about electric cars and how they work, right? So, you know, Tesla has its own proprietary charging network called yeah. the superchargers, right? And you cannot plug a Tesla charger into a non-Tesla. There's no converter you can use. There's no dongle. A Tesla only works with a Tesla. Okay. Because the reason for that is because there's a lot more going on when you plug the electric car in. It's not just like, hey, I need a dongle to convert like this hole that's square into a hole that's round. Mm -hmm. There's a handshake that has to happen. The charger has to they talk gotta to talk to each, each other. other. Yeah, and Teslas don't talk to anybody else. They just talk to themselves. What a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Well, because you got to charge, you know, you know, Elon your battery, your battery has to have a credit card hooked up to it. So yeah, yeah. No, I, I get that. <laughs> but the charge network around the country, non-Tesla charge networks are growing rapidly right so there's a ccs charger which is level two mm -hmm. um there's a chatamo which you would have on your leaf yeah uh, and then there's a then there's a high speed charger i forget the name of it but it's it's basically a ccs plus it's got two like dc yeah that, that's super fast that's super fast so so, so those level are supercharging yeah. so i was you know the, the four by is already to dealers and there's just a lot of confusion because we were watching a tiktok video via video where a guy had bought the four by and mm -hmm. taken it to an electrify america station to a fast charger not a tesla supercharger but a electrify america fast charger and he was like hey how do i get this thing to work with my jeep and the problem is the jeep doesn't have fast charging so there's no way you can plug that electrify america fast charger into the jeep it just right you have work. to use the j20 uh, a 1720 yeah, something like that j something is a, right. so the, the regular one that comes with all regular electric cars you have to use that regular right, charger the, right you can't use the higher end right. one which is the fast and, charger and as far as i know there's only one hybrid plug-in hybrid that does have fast charging and that's the uh, mitsubishi uh, outlander yeah that's the only one don't ask me why it's the only one anyway so the guy's like hey i can't plug my new uh four by in what do i do and so me and tommy were reading the comments and you know what the number one like comment was that people mm -hmm. people said go get yourself a tesla dongle really yeah that was number one and number, even though that will be ineffective it, there's no such thing it doesn't it's okay. not remember it's not about a dongle it's about yeah about them talking to each other yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so so there's so much confusion uh, about that so basically you cannot fast charge the 4 by e the fastest you'll be able to charge it is you know using two and a half two, hours yeah two and 240 two. yeah you know like a, a, a level two charger okay. no level three now a lot of jeep guys out there a lot of guys yeah. who are into wranglers are not really savvy when it comes to the whole electrify thing exactly yeah. so they're probably wondering about this so simply put my level two charger at home what i basically did is i got a converter to plug right into my dryer outlet yeah and i ran that outside and i'm able and, to plug my car in and, and you can do that with charger. the jeep that's exactly it so you can do that and that'll give you two and a half hours right from empty. fill it up and around 20 miles is what they say exactly all electric now and by the way, the EPA rates it at 49 MPGE, which is miles per gallon equivalent. But that's pretty good. But that's the equivalent. It's not really getting... So right. what we got, you want to know what we got? What number we got? 30. No, 21. Okay, why? Because, you know, our battery wasn't completely charged. So when we left the off-road area, we didn't have a completely charged battery. And this is the downside to plug-in hybrids, right? Once that battery is dead, dude... Right, you are carrying around 500 pounds of extra weight, and you're relying on the vehicle to not only charge the battery but move you. I had a real problem with that way back when I was driving the Chevy uh, Volt. Remember, when you deplete that battery completely, you're relying on the gas engine, and it slows everything down. It goes into like a limp home mode. Yeah, yeah, but, but so the Jeep has that little two-liter turbo, right? Which mm -hmm. you can also get, uh, and so that that engine is plenty powerful. So you, you know, you it won't be quite as lively, but it, you're not going to feel a lot of degradation. Is it the e torque like we had in our Jeep? 
Uh, this is, doesn't have eTorque, which is a good thing because that eTorque is what went wrong with the right, gym. right. This that, but it, yeah, it doesn't have doesn't have eTorque because it's got the full um, right. DC battery. Right? I was just curious. And I yeah. they left yeah. it in yeah. there. Yeah. So so it's not like the the, the Volt where you know it, it, once the battery's dead, or like even like the BMW i three, right? Once the battery's dead, and if you're using the little Rex, the uh, it just doesn't have any power. This this is fine. You you won't notice okay. much degradation. So that's that's good because it's it's the drivetrain's all hooked up and everything else. Yeah. So the way it works is basically you've got the two liter turbo, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and then you've got the full set of uh, normal uh, transmission that you would get in a regular Wrangler, and then sandwiched in between that is an electric motor. Which sandwich and so similar to what Ford does with their setup, you have that electric motor sitting right there in the, between the transmission and the engine. Exactly. Yeah. So right. it, it can add power or it can. Uh, you know, be used to boost the amount of torque. Uh, so when you have a you know a fully charged battery, zero to sixty six point five seconds. It's quick. It's pretty quick. Yeah. It's quicker than a regular uh, V six. Yeah, yeah. it's probably the second quickest Wrangler out there. Not as quick as in three ninety two, which not is even close. Four point five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But still, that's something to be said about that. Actually, at high elevation with that little turbo, that'd be a relatively quick Jeep compared to other ones. So. The question I think it all boils down to, so it is off-road capable, it does well off-road, yes. theoretically it could get good mileage if you do everything right. If you, if you, look, if you come home and you plug it in at night and you fully charge the battery and you get 21 miles of electric range and then you go to work and it's 21 miles, you could run that thing theoretically without ever turning on the gasoline engine. Right. Uh, unless you floor it, in which case the gasoline engine will turn out. But there's a lot of, I mean, there's just a lot going on. It kind of made me wonder why they just didn't, like, you know, the amount of, like, uh, software and programming and, you know, technology that's in this thing is mind-blowing. I just kind of wondered why they didn't just, like, forgo all of the four-high, four-low, you know, and just go to an electric Jeep. Well, I, I guess yeah. that's the next question because you and I actually drove. We did, the Magneto, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. granted it was a little rough around the edges. And it's but a it prototype. Came, it's a proto, okay. well, yeah, yeah. A, a concept prototype. And the thing is, is that it proved that, that it could work, right? Yeah, but Stellantis only has two electrified vehicles, right? Mm-hmm. Former FCA, they've got the Pacifica. And now they've got this. Uh, and, the, and they're very different vehicles. They use very different technology. The Pacific is a front-wheel drive only minivan, whereas right. and this is a four-wheel drive, very different powertrains and all that. But the thing is, is that this powertrain sounds like it's moving around now. It's going to actually wind up in other vehicles. It might. Yeah, I think it will. And uh, it makes sense because in order to re- get your return on your investment, you need to share the goods. Plus, right? you don't have to buy credits from Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have. yeah, that's the other thing. But, I mean, this vehicle was starting, they started the design of this powertrain pre-Stellantis. Yeah, oh, for sure, yeah, for this sure. This is the FCA days yeah. where <laughs> they wanted, and they made a promise. They said not only are they going to build a plug-in hybrid, which they've now done, they said that they would have an all-electric Wrangler. I mean, the issue, of course, is that you're driving probably the least... Uh, from a design point of view, fuel-efficient vehicle on the planet, you know, and try to make it uh, go far on, on a battery, right? So most electric cars obviously are very aerodynamic. Yeah. The Wrangler's not. It's a brick into the wind, right? It's, yeah, but, but, it's, but it's still awesome, and so that's okay for it not being aerodynamic. Most, most electric cars have some kind of low rolling resistance tires. Yeah, this doesn't. No, this has full-on ATs. If you get the Rubicon. Which is great. <laughs> well, what they're trying to do is they're trying to give you Good fuel mileage, a green vehicle that has a low, you know, low um, carbon footprint, yet you could still take it off-road. I think that would be the argument, And then right? if, if, if people are watching this, look over Nathan's shoulder, you can see the uh, electrified Wrangler. They've gone with the electric blue accents, right? So you can see it around the hood. Yeah, the you tow can... hooks are blue, which means exactly. that that's really important because that that's means a... good 
something because it really doesn't get that crazy. It, it is weird. Like, so I'll tell you what happened, right? Oh, so yeah. we forded this like like river where we're pretty deep, you know, like two, maybe two and a half feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Battery's fine. And by the way, the battery lives inside the cabin underneath the rear seat. Underneath the rear seat, yeah. So you're losing a little bit of like when you fold those rear seats down, they're a little bit taller because mm-hmm. that's where the battery lives now. Yeah, I was told though that in terms of weight distribution, it works really well. Yeah, it could. I don't know. I wasn't. I didn't get that part. It's now, Mark also, Allen told me that. It's also climate control the battery, so they they, they cool it um, so that you know it, it lives within that kind of efficient space so that it. That's really it's happy. My Nissan doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah, at all. Air cooled. Yeah, yeah you're just air cooled. That is. Yeah, not it's just it's like, if, if it's cold outside, you're screwed. Yeah, so it lives it lives kind of where people like to live, you know. Uh, but uh, it does take up a little bit of space. Now, uh, the one thing, like I said, the cool part about it is so we're climbing these like massive granite, uh, I call them little baby hills, right? But they're mm. still very steep and very kind of jaggedy and sharp. Uh, and when you're doing it in all electric mode, it's really weird because you don't have the engine. All you have is kind of, there's, you hear the whirling of the air conditioner fan. That's the loudest thing that you hear if the air conditioner is running, which it was because it's hot in Texas. And it'll just go. It'll just go right. Uh, yeah, but so yeah, okay, so yeah, it will go. But we were like the third group to go up there, and we had gone through the water, and then they got mud on these granite rocks, and then they got very slippery, uh, and some of them really struggled to crawl their way up. And I, I and I can't. I have to be honest here, Nathan. I can't help but think that that additional five to like six hundred pounds of weight didn't make that much easier, right? Because you're going up a hill and you've got all this weight pulling you back down the hill. What's the one thing I, I mentioned, Mark Allen earlier, the head designer of Jeep? What's the one thing that he says that you need to get rid of on any Jeep to make it good? Uh, the headlights. No, wait. He, and remember, he <laughs> yeah. drilled that into our heads. Yeah. Get rid of the weight, get rid of the weight. And what have they done? They've added the weight. And they, they have no choice. There's no other way to make a, a, a PHEV other than adding batteries and adding weight. I mean, at least they put the straight four in there, which is, I guess, lighter than a V6, right? Yeah, and the great news is uh, in most states, you get a 10-year, 100,000-mile battery warranty. Oh, that's great. Yeah, in some states like California and Michigan, you get 15-year. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. So you are getting a lot. And then you are getting, like in Colorado, let's say you're getting the Rubicon, which is like around 50K. You're getting not only... um, the, the fact that you can run around on electricity uh, and the fact that they also like up content the 4x mm. so like a regular Ruby doesn't come standard with the LEDs that one up there does mm-hmm. uh, so they give you more content and then Colorado you get I think it's uh, seven and a half federal and two and a half states so you're up to ten thousand dollars off that price so if it's 50k it's really 40k if you qualify although it's not as if they're giving you cash in your right. pocket you have right. to you know, stand you have to, have to actually have enough revenue and income to there's a whole bunch of other stuff there, which we're not going to go over right now. But here's, I guess the bottom line is, do you think it's worth the money? Oh, that's a good question. Tommy and I spent two and a half hours trying to think of, like, who's going to buy this, right? I know so, who, by the way. You keep talking, though. All right. So so I'd love to get your opinion on this. So mm-hmm. the, we came back with, like, like, this could be a good Jeep for fleets. So if you're a company and you, you certainly qualify for that tax rebate and then you want to wear your green credentials or your electric blue credentials on your sleeve, right? Think of like companies that do a lot of, uh, you know, environmental kind of stuff. It would be a good vehicle for fleet sales. What about like forest service? Exactly. That's another one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's another fleet sales potential. Um, whether, you know, a regular guy or gal will buy it over, you know, the, the cheaper in some ways, but less contented uh, um Rubicon, I'm not sure, Nathan. I'm just not sure. Uh, in Europe, they've gotten to the point where now a lot of these plug-in hybrids are going away because, once again, the, the, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. So you do get electric power and you do get good fuel efficiency as long as the battery is 
Sure, example. So, you know, you can look at it two ways, right? The glass is half empty or the glass is half full. If, right. if you charge it up at home every night, the glass is half full. It's great. You can run it without using your uh, two-liter turbo at all. Or it can go the exact opposite way. You know, you may never charge that thing up, in which case you're carrying around a boatload of weight for no reason. Okay. So, now, I'm going to throw a couple things at you all in this diatribe, which is going to last like two minutes. Okay. Um, first of all, I really think that this type of powertrain should also go into the Gladiator. That would make an even better force service vehicle yeah. in terms of, you know, because I don't think it's going to suck up that much more fuel and there's more space for a larger battery. Something to think about, possibly. All right. My best friend is a tech freak. He lives in San Francisco and he's always wanted a Wrangler, but he never could substantiate the idea of getting a Wrangler, driving back and forth to work, which is 10 miles each way and then being able to go off-road and go skiing and everything else. He is willing to spend 50, 60 grand on a, you know, ridiculous money on a Jeep, but he keeps coming back to that whole thing. He lives in this really green city where you have to wear it on your sleeve. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's part of like almost a fashion statement. And at the same time, he wants that mileage. Now, 10 miles from work, even though he's got hills, he's in, you know, literally in the middle of San Francisco, I think, he, and he has a charger at work, yes, just like we do. And he can get to work charge that vehicle up, get home, charge that vehicle up. In other words, he's not really using the engine or the gas engine. Hence, he's saving a lot of money and he's actually doing his environmental thing. Then, on the weekend, he's taking his Jeep and occasionally going skiing or doing some actual off-roading, which you can do in California. So he is an ideal customer for this Jeep because he's willing to spend that extra dough because he wants that moniker of, hey, I'm driving a green Jeep. Yeah, I, I think you made a really good point, Nathan. I mean, you know, there are some other downsides. It's hugely complicated, so chances of it breaking are probably higher. Slightly higher than a regular one. Yeah, there's a, you know, especially this year, the first one's out there, so there's a lot of complexity to it. But Jeep says they, they, they drove it like 39 billion miles or something to prove that it's all good. Yeah. Uh, uh, it is, you know, it does have all the virtues of a regular Wrangler, so it's a convertible, mm -hmm. right, which is yeah. great, you know. You take the top off. Yeah, it's, it's going to be uh, unstoppable in the snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it's going to be uh, really uncomfortable in some ways because, uh, you know, Jeeps have that kind of st straight-up windshield. And for me, at least for a big guy, I, I'm, I should say Jeep Wranglers, right? I can never get that seat far enough back. I love the Wrangler, but it's got one of the worst seats in all of car. See, I don't mind it too much, but also you got much longer legs than I do. I have stubby yeah. legs and a long torso. You have a short torso. Your legs are like a giraffe. Yes, yeah. I just never fit in the thing. I can never get that seat far enough back. Yeah. Now, now here's the thing. Uh, quick question on this. Um, this pricing, fifty grand roughly, is where yeah. it starts. Isn't that about the same as the diesel? Yeah, yeah. You get so that's a good point. So now, look, I mean, let's talk about the Wrangler lineup. Holy cannoli, right? It's crazy. And, yeah, we talked about the Bronco. Bronco is going to come in with you know, I think what two engine choices, right? Two engine choices, two transmission choices, really one, because you can only get the manual right. with the four cylinder. And we're not talking about the Bronco Sport. Now we're talking about the big boy. Yeah, just the big Bronco. Yeah, the Bronco. The one that Bronco. competes with the Wrangler. Yeah. Uh, so the Wrangler, it starts at what the three six, which is you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking about the three six. I think it's going to be one of those iconic. Uh, engines like the uh, four liter. It's just been in everything. I have no problem with that. That, that, that thing is, you know, the Pentastar is, you know, yeah. I, argue with me if you want, guys. I know a lot of guys who've got 200,000 miles plus on the Pentastar with no major issues. I agree. They're, they're, uh, they're in every FCA and now Stellantis product, and they've earned their reputation of being very reliable. <laughs> one of their better engines, I should right, say that. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you've got that one, which is the base one, basically. Mm -hmm. Then you got the two liter turbo. Right. Right. Then you've got the diesel. Mm hmm. Then you got the four by, and right. then you got the three ninety two. That's five different engine powertrain configurations. 
five different powertrains. In, wow. Yeah. In, in, and, but the thing is, is that there are some caveats to that. Now, first of all, the only manual transmissions you can get is with the V6. Yep. And then the only way you can get some of these powertrains are with certain configurations of the and, Jeep. And the, like the 396, you can only get with the, the unlimited four-door. Yeah, and this one's also only a limited four door. I think that's because of space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for the battery. So you can't you can't get a manual and you can't get the two door. And let's talk about the three ninety two. So uh, that one is also out there. So you've got kind of got bookends, right? You've got the one that's got the worst fuel economy. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty awful. Although we did okay. We did. I think what did we get like? I want to say sixteen. No, Tommy got like didn't he get like seventeen or something? Maybe seventeen. Yeah, something we, like yeah. That. It's it, it's it's up there on our channel. So take a look at it. We did a fuel economy run. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got you know the four by which you know potentially can get as much as you want to charge it, right? Uh, and, and then everything in between. So the problem, of course, with the 392 is it starts at, what, 73000 So it's so, basically yeah. $20,000 more. Yeah, it's a lot more expensive. And what you're getting is... A V8. More, more, yeah, you're getting a V8, but um, you're getting more horsepower, but about the same torque. Yeah, exactly the same torque. So two seconds quicker, zero to sixty, but which is significant. But I think you know. But uh, you're also getting that glorious uh, V8 sound. And it, it that thing is a sledgehammer. And and also keep in mind, uh, the, that's not a regular Jeep. They actually did a lot to upgrade that vehicle to accept that three ninety two, right? Yeah, yeah. They they raised it a little bit because it's so heavy in the front. They've got that little button which lets you change the exhaust note. Oh, which I love. Yeah, that's a I good love button. that thing on all day long. Yeah, the little raccoon button. The, the frame has been updated in certain spots. Yeah, the, the 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 hood different, uh, whole, made yeah. stronger. Yeah, everything about that thing different. has been upgraded in order to accept and make that thing work. And that it is an absolute blast to drive in the sand, probably a lot more so than this. Oh, yeah, and they both tow the same. <laughs> no kidding, 3,500 pounds? Yeah, exactly. So no matter what, is if it's four-door, it's 3,500 pounds. pounds yeah. What's crazy is that the diesel is the same, which drives me crazy. And diesel's also in that same category, right? With yeah. The torque. Well, so, so diesel's here's, really efficient, though. So, so here's the thing, right? If you want a Wrangler... And you want to upgrade it, which many people do, right? It's like a Harley. It's the most kind of it is custom, the most customizable vehicle, vehicle. Yeah. and the parts are cheap, right? There's companies like out there, out the door, that are doing bumpers and shock absorbers and lights and you name it. Armor, There's, armor, yeah, yeah. There's just tons of it. Um, and, and at the end of the day, you know, bigger tires and wheels make any Wrangler look better. They do. Yeah. Uh, and then th then you need more torque, right? And so what you end up having to do if you bought a regular Pentastar and you put on, let's say, like 39s, which is not uncommon, yeah. pull the fenders off, then you ended up being basically torque limited. Yeah. But with these vehicles with 450-ish pound foot of torque, you've got no issues. 470 with the, uh, yeah. the big yeah. boy. Yeah. Well, I, I've said it before. You, you, can, you can roll those big-ass tires. Well, if you look at a lot of guys who actually go out and modify their vehicles, one of the first things they'll do is they'll pull out. I mean, for the guys who want to spend the money, they'll put a crate engine in there, right? And everything from a 350 from a GM product to, you know, very, the 4.7, you know, 5.7. The, the SRT, you know, SRT engines. Yeah, the six, and we've seen them. We've actually seen them in person. And most of those vehicles go for well over 100,000 miles, 100,000 miles, $100,000 $100, once they've been modified. So if you look at the way that you get this uh, 392 for between 73 and, say, $79,000, it's sort of a bargain for all of the tech you get with the fact that you also get a warranty with it. And it doesn't matter, all that doesn't matter, four, four or five powertrains, all kinds of different configurations, people still are losing their crap over the Bronco because it's new and it's different. And it is new and different. And, you know, we finally got to see one in person. I got to say, it's a lot bigger in person. Than they do have a lot of road presence. Yeah, it's just a big vehicle and, and it looks really, really good with those big fat tires on it and the good lift. 
it's it looks fantastic. Now the thing is, I've seen it in the sand. We've seen it, you know, pictures and video of it going over. In we the got invited to go drive it. Oh, we did. Yeah, Andre oh. and Tommy are going. Wonderful. That's yeah. going to be great. Yeah. Got to make sure that they both go to the same tattoo parlor because I want to make sure they both get the yeah. So the thing is, is that that vehicle, I think, is the only competitor to Wrangler. Now that Wrangler has all these extra powertrains, it's not quite a competitor. It needs more powertrains in order to be competitive again. Yeah. Before know, it even came out. I mean, here's the thing, right? Uh, first year production on the Bronco is sold out. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go get one right now, you'd be looking at, you know, next year. 2023 at this yeah. point. I mean, well, everything's delayed because chips and all this other stuff and COVID. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think Ford has, you know, a huge hit on their hands uh, as long as, you know, uh, they don't mess up the rollout. And let's face it, they've done that with the Explorer. Oh, they, that, that was a disaster. They, yeah. they kind of sort of sorted it with the F-150, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, so, you know, if, if they can keep their eye on the ball, I think they're going to have a huge hit. I'm not, you know, I'm not... So, get this. So, you know, we're in Moab, right, for the Easter Jeep Safari. And we go to the little, like, expo. And right next door to the expo, this is the Easter Jeep Safari. Ford has set up a bunch of Broncos where you can go and drive them. Yep. Right? Um, and obviously, they're going to get a lot of interest because it's all these Jeepers out there. Sure. All um, these off-roader guys who yeah, are and interested. I, yeah. And I went and walked around it. I didn't take, I, you know, I, I, you know, with our um, interesting relationship with Ford, I guess I could have jumped in one and, you know, gone and uh, gone. Other, other people did. Yeah, other but, people did. But I didn't want to do that. Yeah, I, I, which totally makes sense. Well, we weren't there on their dime. That day. Exactly. We were there on, uh, we were there Jeep and invited us, and I thought it would have been rude and unprofessional. So we just walked around. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I did talk to a bunch of people who were eyeing them up, uh, and there were a lot of people who really had like a lot of like lust in their eyes when they saw these things. Well, one of the things that Ford did, I haven't even sat in one yet. You know, it's, the Bronco Nation like looked at me when I came near one. And, and, and let's keep, keep in mind the Bronco Nation, unlike the Jeep stuff, right, is not organic. That is Ford's advertising agency yeah, that's trying exactly to create like an organic. I'm doing air quotes here. Yeah, it's it's which owner club. That in itself is something worth being debated. But the the thing is, is that the interior design on the Bronco I think is superior to the Jeeps. It looks like adjustability is better. For almost all passengers, it looks like the rear seats are more comfortable. I've been told they are. Um, you know, we have pretty good sources who've already driven and sat in one of these. And for the most part, in terms of everything, they looked at Jeep and they said, how can we do better with A, B, C, and D? And I think that they managed to do it in a place that counts where a lot of people forget the interior. So there was this uh, like uh, Instagram post where some chic in, I don't know, United Arab Emirates already got theirs. Yeah. Yeah. So Ford is already building them. And they're giving them to priority customers. So the first build are priority customers. And that would be like the dealerships each get one, I think, as yep. a demo. Uh, and then the next build are the launch editions. Those are coming soon. Which are the top, really expensive ones. Yeah, and then I think we're going on the first drive in June, at the mm-hmm. beginning of June, or Andre and Tommy are going. Uh, and I, I suspect at that point they already have those you know, priority vehicles at dealerships. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a bummer that we don't get to the vehicle before it gets to the dealerships. But the thing is, is that... You're going to be lucky if you even get to go near one, much less drive one, by the time we've managed to drive one. Because, let's face it, these things have already sold out. Yeah. So they're not going to be sitting around for very long. In fact, I believe that... Oh, dude, people are, people are selling, get this, people are selling their reservations. Like if you have a first edition... With, with markups. With markups for like $15,000 over just for... And I, I don't think that's legal. I, don't, I think Ford, when you sign up for one, they say you have to take delivery of it. Yeah. So I don't know if you can actually legally sell your reservations, but people are certainly giving it 
you know, a try. Trying it, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's probably the hottest uh, new vehicle in America this year. I think so. I, I'm really bummed for Ford that they weren't able to deliver them initially when they wanted to deliver them with everything going on COVID and the chips shortage and all that stuff. Because, let's face it, one of the most important things that we see is competition. When you have competition, it forces you to up your game. And it's not just Jeep. It's also Toyota. Toyota's going to have to do some stuff. Because, with the Forerunner, exactly. I mean, right. the Forerunner and whatever else they're going to have that comes putting along has to be competitive with these vehicles. Maybe even Nissan. Who knows? It's so <laughs> that would, that would, cool. I know. It's a whole breath. A new Xterra came out. So here's the thing, right? I think that uh, uh, supply and demand will catch up probably sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Uh, why I suspect that is I was driving by a local Ford dealership, and I saw three Bronco Sports parked in front already. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't all that long ago that you couldn't get your hands on a Bronco Sport, the baby Bronco. Yeah, not only that, they actually permitted selling the uh, the one. The, yeah, the, the demo model. The yeah. demo model, which which because there was such demand, but it's now starting to die down a little bit. I mean, bit. if there's three of them sitting in front of the dealership, I don't think those are sold. I think they're for sale. Which is good, good and bad. It's good for the consumer, but it also means that people are starting to kind of mellow out a little bit. And also, a lot of people who are buying Bronco Sports were getting impatient waiting for the big Bronco. So there's a couple things that are you know looming on the horizon, which are going to, I think, affect sales of both the Wrangler and the Bronco. And maybe the Wrangler is a little bit better positioned. First, right now, the economy, after being dormant, what, for a year and a half, right, is starting to pick up. Uh, and unless the politicians really screwed up, it's going to start booming. Mm-hmm. Because there's just a lot of pent up demand for people to travel, for people to buy stuff, right? People, yeah. I think people feel like, maybe it won't be like the 20s, but they feel like, hey, we survived this thing. What are we saving up for? Let's go and live life. Yeah. And that could mean buying, you know, like RVs you can't buy, <laughs> rooftop tents you can't buy. Yeah. All that stuff is completely sold out. Uh, but what does a booming economy mean for gas prices? Well, we've already go seen up. it starting yes. to go up. It's already starting to move in that direction. As a matter of fact, uh, They're already here, at three bucks. Yeah, here in Colorado, we were well under two and or well under uh, three bucks, and now we're over three bucks for. Yeah, uh, I just drove to Mo- we just drove to Moab for a cheap truck challenge, right? And we were paying three fifty a gallon. Now, granted, there are some places where they absolutely nail you. Of course, get, yeah, yeah. But the point is, and then if you're in California, the prices are starting to creep past four. In some spots. Or I'm sure in California, easily into fives. Well, it can be downtown San Francisco once again, which is once again another good reason to have something that actually you can plug in and drive around on electricity. So so what happens when gas gets inevitably to four or five dollars a gallon, which it will, and you've got all these like crazy, unaerodynamic, you know, unfuel efficient uh, Wranglers and Blazers and, well, I should say the Blazers. You buy diesel. By diesel. <laughs> well, you can with Jeep. And, Bron- I mean, and Broncos and foreigners running around. I think it's going to take some of the shine off the Apple. I think people are going to be like, holy cow, I want that Bronco. But, you know, when you have to pay 75 bucks to fill it up, which is a realistic possibility, you know, that, that hurts, Nathan. We've gone to fuel pumps recently where we literally could not fill up our truck Trucks, yeah. because it stopped at $75. And this is now, I mean, we're, a couple of, uh, look, a year look, from now, look, if, you, if you can afford a $50,000 car without having to like, like mortgage your life for the next 72 months, yeah. <laughs> then you probably aren't going to be too worried about you know $75 worth of gas. Although it becomes a pain in the neck. It you does. know what I mean? Yeah. And the other thing is, is that, you know, right now there's some government assistance towards being green, but it sounds like there's going to be a lot more in the near future. They're pushing for a lot they of are, stuff. Yeah, the Biden administration seems to be... Yeah, going yeah. that direction, right? So 
the question is, what happens to these vehicles? Once again, Jeep is in a pretty good position right now because they're pushing a lot of PHEVs. We know for a fact that they're looking at uh, their other vehicles and testing them. And we, we don't know the fuel economy. I don't think it's been announced on the Bronco yet, but that 2.7, which is the big motor, right? Right. The twin turbo. I mean, it's, you know, it's that old Eco or Boost, one or the other. You, yeah. you can't have both. Right, exactly. So we, we don't know for sure what that is. But the Bronco is going to still be, I'd imagine the EcoBoost four-cylinder will get better mileage than the V6. Yeah. By, so, by a pretty good margin. So so I think, uh, you know, in the next six months, you're probably going to see a lot of used Wranglers on the market. Possibly. Right, because people are going to want to change just because. But, but then at some point, I think the die-hard Jeepers, right, the guys who have been with Jeep since the World War, I'm probably going to stick with Jeep. How was that war, by the way? (laughs) The the thing is, okay, but I I, I agree with you, but I also disagree. I think that a lot of people, Jeep is really good about bringing people into the fold. Yeah. And, you know, you start with a really inexpensive little Jeep like the Renegade and you work your way up. Eventually the dream, the, the the brass ring is to get to the Wrangler. And I think that if they keep these options, and they're probably going to have to get rid of the diesel soon. I think we all see the writing on the wall with that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some real like a, issues yeah, politically it's, it's, with that it's, one. It's dead engine walking. Yeah, it's. Yeah. It, we don't think it's going to last much no, longer. No. But if you can get one now, then you get really good range. The thing is, what they and I keep saying the thing is, and I got to stop saying that. Yeah, and I got you got me saying it. Sorry, yeah, sorry, my fault. One thing to consider yeah. is that, unlike Ford, Jeep already has these products. And Jeep is already posed in the near future, they say, to have an all-electric Wrangler that can go off-road. Their words. Yeah, right? you know, so so this, this is the interesting part, right? We know that this year we're going to have the Rivian. We're going to have... Maybe. <laughs> I mean, maybe. come on, Rivian. We're going we're gonna to have, you know, at least the first serious look at the prototype or the close production Cybertruck. Yeah, maybe. Right. We already, we've already seen the uh, Hummer. We know that's happening. Yeah, that's running around out there. So the question is, did Jeep, you know, do a little too little too late? I would have loved, like I say, to have seen an, just, so I was listening to the engineer and he was, he's a great guy, uh, really enjoyed him. Uh, and he was telling me all the complexity, you know, you know how hard it is to get like, Think about the three different drive modes, plus the mode where you can regen power, right. plus the fact that you've got a traditional transmission with two high, four high, four low, the lockers, four rear, auto, front and rear. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's just a lot, you know, and, and all those different gears and de- gear combinations to get that electric motor and the engine working together is right. extremely complicated. Oh, I, bet, I know, I'm sure it is. I mean, it makes a 392 look like, you know, like 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 a walk in the park. Right. Um, so I just kind of scratched my head and I thought to myself, man, just go electric. Just just go all electric. But, but this is the stepping stone, perhaps. Yeah. So if they have this vehicle and they have the EPA ratings that are decent, and it's one thing that FCA does, sorry, Stellantis desperately needs is better EPA ratings. They've been paying millions of dollars to every Tesla. year in fines. To Tesla. They've been buying Tesla credits. Well, yeah, the they, they, they've had to. Yeah. They, they've had no choice. But see, we know the Hellcats are all going away. We know the big Hemis are going away, and it's not that long. Here's an important point about Stellantis. PSA, which is Peugeot, they're coming in to our country with a bunch of very efficient electric and partially electric setups. Oh, dude, I'm terrified for cheap. I really am. Well, yeah, it could okay, be. So, so but, on, but this vehicle works, though, right? So here's, here's, here's my kind of take on under the Germans, right? You know, Chrysler was owned by the Germans. Mm, yeah, they, they like didn't give a rat's right. They were like, here, here's, here's an old chassis, make something of it, and the Crossfire was born. 
Well, not just the Crossfire, but also <laughs> yeah. they built the, um, the the Grand Cherokee on an old Jeep platform or on old uh, Mercedes Daimler platform. platform. Right. Remember, remember. And they built the Challenger yeah. and Charger on an old uh, Mercedes platform. Yeah. So and they made it work. Yeah, and yeah, and then yeah, so so like they were pretty much hands off, right? And then they went to Cibris, I think, which was an investment fund. That, that, that was like five minutes, right? That was like, and then they sold it to uh, uh, basic Fiat. Fiat, and then Sergio, who was. Italian, but Canadian Italian understood America, understood yeah, the market, did. and he got the fact that we want big trucks and we love, you know, he understood that the two brands that they bought that were the most valuable were Jeep because it's got such a loyal following and, of course, Ram because it had such a... And because of that, he put a lot of money into those, yeah. and, which was a good thing, and he well, yeah, grew their content. I'm not sure he put a lot of money. So, yeah, he did. So, dude, here's the... Th well, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say... I keep saying here's the thing. Yeah. Enough of that, Roman. Here's <laughs> what I believe, right? Okay. Jeep and Ram are like printing money. And basically, those two brands supported this invasion of, let's face it, pretty mediocre Italian cars that came to America. Yeah, so, I, 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 so, can't, so, I can't argue with that. Right, so like Tesla, you know, they're doing well now, and they're reinvesting their money into Tesla. But with Jeep money, it went into Fiat, it went into Alfa Romeo, it went into Maserati. Well, yeah. Instead of going into Jeep and building a freaking electric Jeep. Well, no, I mean, see, I You see what I'm saying? I know what you mean, but it takes a while to develop something. You just heard about the complexity. Yeah, but they didn't. They, they, they didn't. They took the money and they, they gave it to the other brands. Well, they had to do a little bit of so, both. So now but they're the, still reinvesting in the So now the orders. question is, what are the French going to do? Right? Well, my, yeah. my biggest fear, dude, is that at some point in the next year and a half, the French are going to come in here and then they say, well, we need a more fuel efficient Wrangler. Let's make a front wheel drive Wrangler. If we see a front wheel drive Wrangler, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna shoot myself in the head. Okay, and I'll film that so we can get some good views. <laughs> right? Come the, on. No, no, it would be horrible. Completely off, off the reservation. But for as a business case, and you got to think of and these solid guys. Axles are dead. Okay, so as a business case, you have to look at the way they look at the return on their investment. The business case is working like a dream. Jeep is printing money, dude. They're selling. That's exactly it. Twenty. So, why would you mess with that? Do not put. You know. You know. I, I, the inside story is that they had to work really hard to get solid axles on this on the JL. Yeah, I, I know. And I, especially with the front axle. Right. I, I think. I think the solid axles are gone. I think it's independent from now on, which is going to make it a lot harder to lift. You know, because the French are going to be like, oh, this technology from the ice age, right? Which it I'm is. I'm not going to put the French down on this one, though, because I'm going to give them a little bit of time. I'm going to give them one full year, pretty much from the time they're the known for cost cutting. Well, they're known for cost cutting, but they're also known for profit. And Peugeot, because of their cost cutting. Well, yeah, but PSA has managed to build some pretty damn good vehicles that are well regarded overseas. So if they can do that while cutting costs, that maybe they my, can do that, that, that here. That is my smirk of like name one or two of them. Well, name I, I two iconic name two iconic PSA vehicles. Right. Yeah. Once upon a time, actually, GTI. They used to build like pretty cool off-roaders. Once upon a time, when they were in, well, you know, they, in the once car. Once upon a time, they're winning the car. But, and, and but doing Peugeot really has kind of gone and built a whole bunch of mediocre, you know, no, I disagree. Cars. The, the vehicles that they have for the European market are doing extremely well, and they have excellent design, amazing and that's, interiors. That's, that's, you bring up another good point, Nathan, and mm -hmm. that is. Europe and America are so different. So let's talk about a couple numbers, right? Right. In America, electric car adoption is less than 2%, 1.7. Yeah, it's significantly higher. In overseas. Europe, it's like 50%. Yeah, yeah. And, One, they're, and they're moving really fast yeah. towards that. Especially but that's in, the in, point. In, in like, you know, Sweden and Norway. So yeah. why? Why is that? Because Europeans are smarter than Americans. No, because Europeans don't live in the Wild West where you can drive, you know, a thousand miles and make two turns and have nothing but desert and sand, right? Right. There, there's just a very urban... Uh, very much more kind of tightly packed, much more centralized uh, 
living space. So there are chargers everywhere. There are cities everywhere, right? We, we, we have a much bigger open country, and electric cars just aren't as um, compliant to that need, right? You, you can go in the middle of Wyoming and not find a charger for 300 miles. Yeah, but nobody lives in Wyoming. The thing is, is that... <laughs> but they do live in... Yeah, same thing for Montana, South no, Dakota, North Dakota, Utah, no, no, you're Arizona, states that nobody Mexico. Lives in. No, no, here, look. In, in major cities... Electrification makes sense, but there's a problem. Major cities usually have apartments, and how many charges are you going to get per apartment complex? Oh, there are so many issues like that that have to be sourced and or sussed out, and unfortunately, we just aren't there yet. But, but yes, the European cycle is very different than the American cycle. However, you can have a cut between plug-in hybrids, which can do long distance, and full-blown EVs. Now imagine a household that has one plug-in hybrid and one EV. They'd be able to get the best of both worlds. Am I correct? Yes. Potential. Okay. potential. So if, if PSA comes in, if, if Stellantis, and they say, listen, we need to make a lot of these vehicles plug-in hybrids, I don't think that's going to be horrible. And I also don't think they're going to go after Jeep. with you know they, They're going to see that it's getting such a good return on their investment that I think they're going to leave them alone at first. Eventually, I, I, already, already, you've seen the dismantling of SRT, and I was that's just, our SRT though. SRT I, I was, is different, but that that's SRT is like the big V eight. You know, that's exactly the, it. The, so they, they I know, can't. but that's that's what people love about, about you know. But we know that the big V eight is going away. Everybody's getting look. Rid if of you them. want, if you want like the modern tech, you know, uh, coolest newest stuff, right? You're going to go with Tesla. So, so you're not going to get that from. I'm from, not going with Tesla. I would never. But own you a see Tesla. what I'm saying, right? You see what I'm saying. That, that's where you're going to go. But you're not going to go to. Uh, dodge for that. You're going to go for the big old hell-breathing hell. For now, but how many vehicles are Dodge selling? Not a lot. Uh, they're doing okay with some of their big uh, displacement engines. But here's what's important here is the fact that these vehicles, the ones that you're talking about with the big V8s, other than pickup trucks, and that's a whole different story. It's a different podcast. Other than those trucks, American vehicles, cars uh, that have big V8s, Sports cars and all that—they're being condensed. So I was reading a, I was reading an argu- uh, article about you know Tim Kaniskas who runs Dodge. Yeah. And he was talking, you know, I think it was on Jalopnik. He was talking about like how they haven't dismantled SRT, but how they've just moved the engineers in. And I was just like, at the end well, of it, just, I was like, means that they didn't, they didn't fire them. I, I was just like, they dismantled it. I mean, the, the, the takeaway message was it's gone. And it's, yeah, it's gone. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. But the thing about and that's the start of it, dude. What's important to keep front wheel drive Wrangler two years from now. I disagree. So he and I, now we're on I Know You're Wrong, which is a totally different <laughs> video series. But at the end of the day, and let's go right back to what the topic is, you drove what is an off-road, very off-road capable, partially electric vehicle that has, in theory, really good range, has a low carbon footprint, and isn't as ridiculously expensive as some of its brethren. Am I correct? Uh, I, I drove right now what is the only electric off-roader that you can buy, you know, from a major manufacturer. Right? That's semi-electric. It. There's nothing else. Yeah, yeah, semi. But you can drive all, you know, you can go 20 Well, that's miles. what I was asking if you could actually yeah, I, I, I was trying to think, is there anything else that you can take that's electric? No. no. no the Mitsubishi doesn't do off-roading really anymore. And uh, I don't really think Volvo's very no, much No, ser- it's serious, right? It's the yeah. only off- serious with off-road the low range, that, right? Yeah. Yeah, that you can go. So, so the future's not that bleak if this thing works. Because but this was this time before, long before Stellantis even, you know. Was, yeah, well, this is, but this is what's important for Stellantis. Because they're coming in with a green footprint and they want to be green, they're seeing that Jeep is serious about it. And really important, we posted a video recently, I think on TFL Now, 
where we caught wind and saw on video a Jeep Grand Cherokee prototype running around, most likely with a very similar type of powertrain because it made no noise as it was exiting the parking lot. It was running on uh, batteries. That's almost guaranteed you were there. Yeah. So that means that they're working hard on this. That also means that these vehicles hopefully will be as capable off-road, but more efficient, which is what they desperately need. Yeah, you know, I, I, like I say, I, I hope you're right. I hope that we're not seeing the end of, you know, the yeah, the the Jeep uh, as we know it, but the beginning I, I of, a, of, the, of the beginning of a new, uh, you know, chapter in the life of the Wrangler. And, yeah. and, and more importantly, in the life of uh, Ram, right? That's another brand that, that's, you know, killing it right now. Yeah, yeah, they're doing real, they're, they're absolutely on fire. And we could see this powertrain go to Ram. Because let's, let's face it, Nathan. You know, we've been around for 10 years now, 11 years now, right? And, and we saw the introduction of all the European brands. And, you know, when it first was announced that, uh, you know, Alfa Romeo was coming to America, Fiat was coming to America, right? We were super excited. Maserati. Mm. And, and now those brands are hanging on by, you know, their... Yeah, Alfa is actually going through some huge changes. By the way, I will still say that the Stelvio is still one of the best driving uh, crossovers right, I'm not, I'm I've ever just, driven. Right, but but they're not exactly. They just they, they on never fire. sold well. Yeah. yeah, and Fiat came in here with the reputation of fix it again, Tony. And unfortunately, yeah, fix it again. Yeah. Um, so, as awesome as they were in some ways, it just didn't catch on with the American public. You know, if you could buy a Fiat, but then you could buy a Toyota, because you're going to buy the because, Toyota because the products weren't. I don't think it, it would have caught on, but they would have had to build more exciting, you know, more well, interesting, more... Uh, more logical. I mean, look, they didn't have a, a four-door sedan or a yeah. uh, crossover when everybody else was doing yeah, crossovers. Yeah, they're bringing in sedans, right? Right. right. So they, they were behind the ball, and they just weren't able to catch up. Then they br introduced the L. That was a horrible idea. The one car that did catch on for a little bit was a 500 because it was cool. Which but, is, by the way, their most reliable car. But there was only so many people that wanted a 500. Yeah, a little tiny car, which is, you know, the size of a phone booth. <laughs> That's something kids that used to go and make phone calls from. Um, so going back to what Stellantis is bringing us, we, we really don't know. And we're a little concerned. I will admit I'm a little concerned as well because I really don't want to see the end of really cool horsepower or really cool off-roading. However, with the introduction of this vehicle, the 4xe, which I think is going to right. give a nice five-year lifespan. All right, let me least. ask you this. Which, yeah. which, 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 we'll, answer, we'll leave it on this one. We're almost out of time. Mm -hmm. Out of the different Wrangler models, which one would you buy? The V6 with the manual transmission. Me uh, too. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I adore that setup. I like the manual You know what setup, I would get? But I would, but I would get the, um, what you call it, the Gladiator. You, you know what I want to get right now? Huh. And we might actually end up getting this. Huh. I want to get the, 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 the least expensive Wrangler you can get. I want to get the V6. So probably under the Willys. Yeah, yeah we, the V6. Two door mm -hmm. manual with only uh, potentially two options. You know what those two options are? Uh, air conditioning. Yes, very good. That's uh, right. Air conditioning. And, and maybe more. the hard top. No, no, no. I don't, no, no. Okay. I like the soft top. Okay. Off road tires. Off road tires. So, so that's that's a base two door. So that's going to be thirty four thousand dollars. No, 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 no. God, no. That's barely twenty nine. Twenty nine. Yeah, I want to say I want to say it's twenty seven for the base, mm -hmm. and then you add air conditioning, and it's like twelve hundred, and the tires are like two hundred. Okay, so I I, I never so looked well, at the, the well, two door. Well under thirty. Okay, so the one of the least expensive Jeep Wranglers yeah, that we can get. Everything our hands you on. need and nothing you don't. Yeah, and I, I don't care. I don't even care about like all the lockers and stuff because you know well, what? Is you it don't, a limited slip rear, rear, rear? You can you can get that. I think those. It's a is, it's is an option. A, yeah, it's, it's an option. option. But I was talking to uh, the Wrangler brand manager. He said you don't really need it. Mm. Because look, look, dude. Unless you're really going like seriously rock crawling, 
the regular uh, four-wheel drive system in a Wrangler is plenty good. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, is that a plenty lot of people from Jeep of and, and from uh, old FCA swore by having open diffs yeah. and how much fun it was scampering over rocks trying to figure it out. Look, you've got the ground clearance. You've got the protection, right? They all mm -hmm. come with protection. So. Yeah, and you have the really good numbers in terms of approach and departure. Departure angle. You don't, you don't really need all that stuff unless you're going to be doing like the Rubicon so Trail. Great. And we've been doing a lot of that. So I just want to go back to basics, back to an inexpensive, affordable, every Everything you need, nothing you don't write. So one-third the price of the trucks that we've recently bought. Yes, exactly <laughs> Basically. Right. Yeah. I'm down with that because you're going to let me take it over to Pins and Things. And yeah. Then Hell yeah. Wipeout Hill. Yeah. Well, if I don't buy it, Tommy wants to buy it. So. Potato salad. <laughs> that won't do potato salad. Potato salad. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do that before Tommy buys it. It won't do potato salad. <laughs> Well, guys, um, th this has been fun, and I, and, you know, I, I'm a little disappointed with Roman's bleak uh, point of view of the future. I look, look, I've been doing this for too long. You know, my editor used to say, when you go from being uh, skeptical to cynical, maybe you should leave. <laughs> I'm being cynical, but I'm just trying to be, you know, my skeptical self. Uh, and I, I hope, uh, I hope I'm proven wrong. You know, the guys, you know, FCA and. Uh, now Stellantis has always been known for, I think, out of the three domestic brands, right? Ford, GM, and these guys, they've been do, known for doing the most with the least. Just yeah, they managed to really stretch it out and make it work with a lot of different, especially Jeep and Ram. Yeah, so those guys have always been the underdogs. I think that's their kind of thing in Detroit. Mm. Uh, and that attitude runs deep in the company. And so I think, you know, you, you don't just, uh, and I, we don't know. I, I mean, I'm just speculating here. It could be that uh, Stellantis is going to come in and say, you guys keep going, don't even. Yeah, here's an injection of another billion dollars. To do exactly. Stuff. I hope that. And go that would it. be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're, we're not going to suck money out of this to build more Peugeots. I hope that's what happens. Yeah, I hope because so let's too. Let's face it, the American market is so much bigger than the French market. Oh, God, yeah. Well, it's not just, the, I mean, the French sells a European market. Market, but still, yeah. Russia and everything else. But the, what they want, they really want our market. And they're not bringing Peugeots to these states, by the way. They announced that Peugeot will not be here. However, brand sharing, engineering sharing, all that stuff will be happening in the near future. That's in def That's going to happen. My point is, I'm not going to yell at the kids to get off the lawn. I'm not Roman. Um, <laughs> you, know I, was, you know what was one of the most remarkable off-roaders that wasn't an off-roader? The Peugeot 405. Yeah. That, they conquered Africa, dude. Well, yeah, it was slightly modified, but yeah, but they did rally. Peugeot did rally with Paris Dakar from day one, you and go, they've done very well. They've won several. Morocco, you go to North Africa, 405s own that. Oh my God, yeah, yeah, big wagons, just strap stuff down. I remember I was in Egypt, and they had this beat up wagon. And they strapped about 300 pounds with the stuff on top. They had five passengers inside, and they were towing, like, this weird water tote. So, and so, it did it. So Peugeot does have a heritage of, you know, especially because French colonialized a lot of North Africa, right? So yeah. there's a lot of off-roading there. The Dakar is, of course, French. So, mm -hmm. so you know, hopefully that, that spirit of the... Uh, of the Desert will live on. Okay, I'm going to say one thing before we close. I think one of the reasons why Roman and I are both a little scared is because we feel perhaps that Renault kind of hurt Nissan, and we're worried that Peugeot could hurt yeah, it's a what good was point. FCA. It's, it's a good point. There I, were, I think, there and, Renault, and I think we're right about that, too. Yeah, the Renault, I mean, I don't know if it was Carlos Ghosn or if it was Renault. I think it's a little bit of both. Well, it, it did not, you know, Nissan has, over the last 10 years, become kind of in a lot of ways, a shadow of its former self. Yeah, they, they were started, directly competitive with Toyota and now they're not. You know, we've got a GTR parked over here. Yeah. Think about this, Nathan. And, and Tommy made this point, and he's absolutely right, right? The GTR came in 2007, mm -hmm. and it blew. It like, you know, I remember the Fast and Furious. It was the in car, right? Yeah. 0 to 60, 2.9 seconds. Everybody lusted after it. 
you know, it drew so much traffic into Nissan dealerships. The dealers were happy. Uh, the, the fans were happy. You know, kids put that thing up on the wall. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's beautiful. Uh, and then for 14 years. They haven't for, touched it. They haven't well, touched, imagine if they had, like, like in 2000, let's say 10 or 12, had made it all electric and just blown the doors off of, off of Tesla. What what conversation would we be having now? It would be a very different conversation, but we go back to the thing that instead of the leaf, and I know you have a leaf, but eh, no, it, that but is the, a common car, and that was going all the way. That was his deal. Right, but actually, it's a cheap yeah, car, cheap, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and they, somehow Nissan decided that they were going to concentrate on Versas, and you know, they for a long time they had the least expensive car in America, which mm. I wouldn't be particularly proud of. I mean, no, it, it's, it's, saying, it's saying that the brand and is, the Jatco CVT yeah, really. Hurt and, their reputation, yeah, and they still they keep pushing. You know, it's yeah. like it's like the the, the 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 we we don't want to get into the whole Nissan thing, no, but no, no. I mean the, the the cacophony of people who hate CVTs in America is beyond loud, and it's growing and, and they, substantially, and, and they just keep slamming them into the vehicles. Yeah, although they have been approved. Pathfinder, Bottom line here is yeah. that we were concerned about the changes, but the good news on my on my side of this is that I think that this four by E might might point the way to the future. I hope you're right. And the future could be good because this thing is just as off-road capable uh, or nearly as off-road capable as a regular. And I, I love your case that you've got a buddy who, you know, I could see that. I, I think there are people who will buy this thing. Yep. And I think, uh, you know, they will enjoy listening to, you know, the great outdoors instead of the roar of their. <laughs> the, the roar of the engine and also a little bit of a badge of honor. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. So what do you drive? Well, this is what I have. Yeah, so, you, you know, know, you can pull that in. thing up next to a Prius and, and with pride give them. Yeah, just kind of uh, give them a little wink. A green, you know, uh-huh. a green snicker. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but that, you'd be surprised how many people will pay for that. Yeah. So bottom line is that I think that this is a really slick vehicle. I'm looking forward to us getting one, perhaps for a decent time, so we can test it in Colorado. But I still want to buy the base. Yeah, I, yeah. Did, I, yeah. I get you. I yeah. get you. Yeah. All right. All right. Roll up windows, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Roll up windows. Man, it's been a while. You, hey, on that cheap truck, you had the only... No, you, no me I and Andre... You have, you have power. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We had roll-up, yeah. Yeah, and it worked, too. It kind of... The, the, it kind of, worked, kind of <laughs> I, I kind of had to help it along yeah, a little yeah, yeah, bit, yeah. but uh, it, no, it worked just fine. Everything all was fine. All right, guys, thanks for joining us. And once again, if you're watching on YouTube and you want to subscribe to a podcast or so listen to this while you're driving, uh, TFL Talk is available at all of our favorite podcast places like iTunes, Pandora, you name it, we're there. Yeah, it's... Uh, we have an unedited version too. No, we don't. No, we don't. I, I want to do that one day. No, 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 you're great. All right, guys. All right. Catch you later. Bye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.